For those of you coming in, we will start shortly. We're just letting people's audio get connected as they arrive. Okay, Kathy, I think we're ready to begin. Okay, we'll begin. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Kathy Diamond, for those of you who don't know me. And I'm joining you this afternoon on behalf of the Eleanor London Cote St. Luke Public Library with my monthly book presentation, which is in lieu of our former Monday morning once a month monthly book club when things used to be in person. So this month um, is a bit different from the previous months where I only spoke over the telephone call in line. And this month, for those of you who do Zoom, here I am in person, so to speak. Well, the closest thing that we have in person nowadays. And for those of you who are not on Zoom, hello to you all on the phone line. So on to the book. My selection for this month is a book, a book called The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek by a woman called Kim Michelle Richardson. And the book was first published in 2019. It is a book, well, you know, with the, the fact that there's book in the title about several things. There are several main themes. Among them, the importance of books and libraries, which as you would say, is a very appropriate choice by yours truly, a librarian. Kim Michelle Richardson is the author of several previous books. Her first book was not fiction, it was a memoir. And after that came several novels. And this book, this the book Woman of Troublesome Creek was published in 2019. Richardson lives with her family in Kentucky, which is the setting of this novel. And as she says, she has spent years visiting nearly every cranny in the state, the state of Kentucky, its rural areas, its deep woodlands and rolling hills. It's supposed to be a very beautiful place. Sussing out, in her language, stories of the people there, their personal and family histories and traditions, as well as the hardships and various social injustices that they have endured. As she writes on her website, and you can look her up, she has a, a very nice website. She says, I write human stories 
set in a unique landscape. Knowing one small piece of this wonderful world, the earth, the sky, the plants, the people, and the very air of it helps us understand the sufferings and joys of others and ourselves. In addition to writing, Richardson also volunteers. One of the projects that she has been active in is how is called Habitat for Humanity, and she builds houses for them. She is also an advocate for the prevention of child abuse and domestic violence, partnering with the US Navy globally to bring awareness and education to the prevention of domestic violence. In 2018, she undertook an interesting project. It was the construction of a small house or a tiny house as it's called, which is to serve as a base for a new residency program that she's involved in, a residency program to help budding writers. This residency, which is called Shy Rabbit, began operations in the summer of 2019, pre-COVID. In addition to the actual physical Kentucky site, and it's a little house and you can go on the website of Shy Rabbit and you'll see this lovely little house, you get a tour of it, in Kentucky, set in the woods of Kentucky, Shy Rabbit is also offering scholarships and a food stipend several times during the year to writers everywhere and anywhere. I went on the website and unfortunately there's a sign saying that this program has been temporarily suspended because of COVID and the house is not operational. But this is one of the projects that the author of this book, Kim Richardson, is involved in. Her memoir, her first book, which was this memoir, was entitled The Unbreakable Child, and it details her own experience with child abuse. So you could see where she gets the interest to the subject matter that she writes about. And it was released in 2009, so which is what now almost uh, 13 years ago. Her novels include Liar's Bench in 2015. God Pretty in the Tobacco Field, 2016, The Sisters of Glass Fairy, 2017, and The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek, which was published in 2019. So she's become pretty prolific once she started to write. And this book is about, among other things, the Kentucky Pack Horse Librarians, this is something really that existed, was very true, under the auspices of the federal WPA, which were initiatives that FDR um, brought in during the Depression era. And this project carried books to far-flung regions during the Great Depression, something I never knew anything about which is one reason to read good historical fiction, which is what Kim Richardson writes now. She also writes for the Huffington Post and is a book critic 
for the New York Journal of Books. As she says in a conversation with the author at the end of this book, when she is asked, did your own experiences living in Kentucky inspire or influence any of the descriptions in the book? And she answers, yes. Kentucky is both a beautiful and brutal place full of fascinating history, varied landscapes, complex people and culture, and I am fortunate to live in a region that I can draw on from the heart. And when she's asked, did you see and do you see any similarities between yourself and your main character or differences? And she says, she answers, I grew up under the grinding heels of poverty, spending my first decade in a rural Kentucky orphanage, moving on to foster care, and then finding myself homeless at the age of 14. I can relate to marginalized people and have much empathy for Cussie, that's the name of the, her main character and narrative voice, and her family. Anyone who has faced or faces prejudices and hardships, it's easy to feel their pain deeply, particularly if you have gone through hardships in your own life. So this is, this is something very interesting to know when you start to read the book. The epigraph of the book, and I always like to point out what the epigraph is, because the reason if an author puts one in a little quote or paragraphs or, or bits of quotes at the beginning of the book, there's obviously a reason that he or she chooses to do so and a definite relation to the content of the book. So what's the epigraph of this book? It's a small, short quote by T.S. Eliot in which he writes, the very existence of libraries affords the best evidence that we may yet have hope for the future of man. So there you go. This is to do going to do with libraries and the importance of books in our world. So to the book, the main character and narrative voice is a 19-year-old young woman from a place called Troublesome Creek, Troublesome Creek, Kentucky. And she was born with a rare, this is the main character of the book, she was born with a rare genetic condition and her skin has always been tinged with an all over deep blue color. She lives with her widowed father. And by the way, this is true. This is, you'd think that this is very bizarre. Whoever heard of anybody with blue skin? Uh, I had never heard of that, which doesn't mean it, that others of you haven't, but I hadn't. Um, but this is, this is a very, very rare genetic condition, but it is true. So this, the heroine, the young woman who is the main character in the book, and as you see, those of you who are on Zoom, the cover, there's actually this band of blue across the, the face of the young woman in the, on the cover picture. She lives with her widowed father, who is a coal miner working in the coal mines of Kentucky, who is trying to marry her off when the story opens. 
Unfortunately, with blue skin and therefore questionable genetics, his daughter is a tough sell to future suitors. And Cussie herself is quite the young woman with character. She would much rather keep her job as a pack horse librarian than keep house for any husband anyway. So what is this pack horse like? What is a pack horse librarian? Again, something I've never heard of, but is was true. As part of the new governmental program, and the story is set, by the way, in the year 1936. As part of the new governmental program aimed at bringing reading material to isolated rural Kentuckians, Cussie, who is a pack horse librarian, she's employed by this program. She rides her mule, who has a name, Junia is the name of the mule, over the pretty treacherous terrain that surrounds where she lives, delivering books and periodicals and scrapbooks and any kind of written material to isolated rural Kentuckians. People of limited means. Her patrons refer to her as bookwoman. Thus, you have the title of the story, The Bookwoman of Troublesome Creek. They also call her, some of them, Bluet, B-L-U-E-T, which is a reference to her skin color. And she delights in bringing them these books, as well as messages, medicine, and advice. The story, the narrative of the story goes along describing Cussie. We get descriptions of the setting of this rural Kentucky setting. And, but when a local pastor takes a nefarious interest in Cussie, claiming that God has sent him to rid their society of her blue demons. And she has to defend herself against this local pastor who is a very evil character. Her efforts at self-defense, I don't want to give away too much of the story to those of you who haven't read it. I don't know how many of you have read it. They leave our heroine and main character, this young woman, Cussie, at risk of being arrested or even worse. So what happens as the story goes along? Oh, and just to mention, her name is Cussie Mary Carter. And Cussie does not mean, as I initially thought, that she was nicknamed Cussie because she uses foul language, right? That she cusses. No, it, it's her name was given to her because it was the town that her ancestors, it was a great grandfather who came from the town of Cussy in France. And he was the one who carried this gene of this disease or this condition that causes the blue skin to appear um, not in every one of his, of his descendants, but it's what happened with Cussie. So Cussie is not a derogatory nickname. It's the, it's the name of the town that her great-grandfather came from. So after this incident with the local preacher, with this very dangerous and bad man, the local doctor appears on the scene 
and he agrees to protect Cassie in exchange for her submission to medical testing. And because he's very interested from his medical perspective in this condition, in what makes this, and apparently, and again, this is true because the author did research into this. And if you look this up, there was a group of people, they were descendants of, like in this case, the, the great grandfather, and this is the fiction part of it, who came from France and married a woman and settled in Kentucky. But these people, there were a group of people living in the hills in Kentucky with that carried the gene for this blue skin disorder. There's a very long, fancy medical term for it. But um, and the and the medical establishment, once they found out about these blue skin people, were very interested in finding them and testing them and seeing if they could cure them of their condition. And this is where apparently there was a little bit her she did her historical research and she says that at, a, at the end of the book that here I switched things around a little bit because there is actually were there was a doctor who found these blue skinned people in Kentucky and convinced them to come and to come into the bigger city and to be tested in order to try and find a cure for their condition if a cure was really needed, but that took place in the 1960s. But the author said, I wanted to combine it with my story of the pack horse librarians. So I moved the research that took place in the 60s to the 1930s and combined these two aspects. You could argue, is this real good historical fiction? Because this isn't really so historically true what she did, but in any case, that's what happens in this book. So. What this book does is it compares, and this is clearly what the author wanted to do, two separate pieces of history into her one story. The, the, and the story does revolve around the traveling Kentucky past pack horse library program told from the perspective of one of the librarians, this young woman, Cussie, who was the narrator of the story. Um, and she is, she is blue also, so this is an important part. And of course, I have to say, not blue as in depressed. Literally, she has blue skin. And this is a very interesting aspect of the book because when you read it, and if you've never heard of the condition, which I think most readers probably haven't, this really brings your, you know, catches your attention. It sounds kind of implausible that people with blue skin exist. Um, but if you look it up or you wait till you get to the end of the book and the author explains the name of this condition, the real medical name is methemoglobinemia. Um, and there is information about it at the end of the book. So that's the one aspect. And this, the other one is this Pack Horse Library Program, which was funded through President Roosevelt's New Deal and was essentially an educational program um, as well as providing work. It provided work for the, for the mainly women who were working as librarians. And Kentucky was one of the poorest areas in America at the time that this book is set. And remember 1936, so it's right in the middle of the Great Depression. The whole country suffered from depression, but Kentucky and the, the region of the Appalachians were historically, and probably still today, are one of the more depressed areas of America also had some of the lowest literary levels in the country. 
So this program, this Pack Horse Library program, aimed to provide books and other reading materials to isolated communities. Children in particular benefited for the program by having access to reading materials. Remember, there, was no, there were no libraries around there for these people living in the isolated hills of Appalachia where the book is set. And perhaps if they learned to read, there was the hope that they could break out of the cycle of poverty that they were born into. Adults benefited as well from this program. Some who were not able to read before learned to read. Others who were able to read but could not afford books gained access through this program by these librarians. Okay, the, in, in this book, it's, she's a fictional character, but there were librarians and there are pictures the author provides at the end of the book, which are really pictures of the actual librarians and they're all sitting on their horses and their mules with their packs on the animals set to deliver their books. It's really like, it's fascinating to see this. And as well as books, there were health pamphlets that were brought to people who had no access to them otherwise. Remember, no television, no library, probably no radios either in, in these isolated areas. So these pamphlets that the librarians, such as Cussie in our story, helped introduce hygiene, medical practices, which might even you know, result in, in really helping the, the citizens who received them. For example, there were dangerous or unpalatable folk remedies that Cussie encounters, such as rubbing groundhog brains on a baby's sore teeth or drinking water from a stranger's shoe to cure thrush. These were the superstitions that the people lived with once they were, were provided or, or had access to medical literature, things could change. So there were this, this project was really very important. And you can see why an author such as Michelle, as, as Kim Michelle Richardson, given what the little bit that I told you about her own background would be so interested in writing about. But despite the benefits of this program, it also had its detractors, as she writes about in this story, people who did not approve in fact, Cussie's own father thought that it was more important for her to be married, even if it would result in her losing her job, because married women were not allowed to hold this job. Even if he planned to marry her off, which he tries to at the beginning of the story, to an older, violent, abusive man. That was still better in her father's eyes than to continue at this job, because really, Work was a man's role, and if a woman was able to be married and supported by a husband, she should stay home, feed her family, and stay respectable, believes Cussie's father, who really just wanted the best for his daughter. He also thought that her route, her actual physical delivery route, as, a, as this pack horse librarian, was dangerous, and what she provided to her clients were dirty books, not appropriate, because really all folk needed to be able to read was their Bible, a sentiment which many others in Cussie's area shared. Other people on her route viewed the time that their children spent reading as wasted, 
time in which they should be doing their chores. You have to remember that this was a harsh world where many people were starving, were hungry and really even starving. Everyone in the family had to work constantly in the struggle to survive. Cussie in our book many times has to pacify angry fathers by showing them the books that she provided, showing them how they could teach their children to tie a knot properly, how to fish more effectively, or how to perform their chores generally more efficiently. And added to Cussie's difficulties with the suspicious Hill people about her bringing these library books was her additional strange problem of being a blue, i.e. having this condition that turned her skin blue. The world of the Appalachia Hill people was a rigid one. There were deeply held suspicions, superstitions, and prejudices. Anyone who was different in any way was ostracized. Cussie, our main character, is an intelligent, compassionate woman in contrast to many of the illiterate white folk, because remember, she's not colored in the sense, and that's the word that's used in the book because this was the 1930s, colored in the sense of being darker skinned as in dark brown or black skin. She is blue, which of course you can see here that one of the main themes of the book is this absurdity of the importance of the color of anybody's skin. And that's why this, this issue of this of, of our heroine having blue skin, which is true, which is really not just you know some science fiction creation, um, adds an, an interesting theme to the story. So she is shunned by these illiterate white folk because of her different skin color. And she is treated as, as a strange, she's subhuman, but she's different, and she's different from the darker from the black folk or the colored folk or whatever they're called it called by the local folk um, because she has this blue tinge to her skin. And what interestingly seems to happen is that the more isolated people on her library book route are ultimately more accepting of Cussie's color than the townsfolk because Troublesome Creek is an actual town, a small town, but a town. And they come, these, these hills people to whom she delivers the books, because in town there is a library, but she's delivering to the people deep in the hills. They ultimately come to appreciate the human contact and the kindness that she brings them and the hope that she provides that there could be something better in the world for their children. The first person narration of the story lets us see the world directly through Cussie's eyes, which is how first person narration works and how it is an effective choice in certain stories, because, you know, the author has a choice. Do they, do they have first person narration through the eyes of one character? You can also do multiple first person narrator 
is if you want, or third person narration in which you have a more omniscient narrator, and then you get a wider view of the world. In this case, Kim Richardson chose to do it first person narration. So we really know her dreams and we feel her fears directly. The story takes a little bit to get going as far as a drama, if you want to call it. Um, but what it does is it builds up a feeling for, the, for us reader, for the isolated world of the hill people and the harsh Appalachian landscape, which form a very definite part of the story, and of the prejudices ingrained in the people we meet. However, it starts to build in intensity about halfway through when one character is, when, what the, with the death of one character, which leads indirectly to Cassie agreeing to these medical tests that the doctor is pushing on her in order to determine the cause of her blue skin. So as fascinating as this Pack Horse Library project is, it is the story of Cussie's blue skin, which provides the depth to this book because it explores the bigotry and racial intolerance in an unusual way because racially Cussie is Caucasian, but her unusual coloring sets her apart from the white people of the town. She is regarded as colored literally in this case, blue colored, and that thus treated as an outcast. She is taunted or abused by many people and regarded with suspicion. While her fellow librarians, because she has to go, the librarians get together, they have to go to pick up the, the books and the pamphlets and whatever they're, they're going to deliver. So she does have contact with the other pack horse librarians of this area. They're friendly enough to her. The bosses, however, at the town library, the town of Troublesome Creek Library, they treat her in this disdainful manner because of her skin color. But throughout, it seems, Cussie remains generally strong and she's very happy to have found a job that she loves, a job that she feels is important and gives her a sense of self-worth to counteract that sense of non-self-worth because of her strange or different skin color. And as the book goes on, this, as I mentioned earlier, a local doctor has been fascinated by the blues that in the, these people with blue skin for years, but he's never been able to find any of them who would be persuaded to take part in any medical studies. Blood samples would need to be taken. This of course isn't done in Troublesome Creek or up in the hills. They have to go to a nearby larger city where there's a hospital where these medical tests would be done. And so what happens in the story is that there's this accident and Cussie is um, kind of becomes put at, under his mercy, at his mercy and she agrees to go with him to be tested. And they go and their descriptions of these tests, which are very uncomfortable and painful for Cussie. And why is this doctor doing it? You know, you question his motives. Is it, does it really altruistic reasons or is it because he, he wants to, you know, make himself 
um, rise in prestige in the medical world. In any case, she's taken blood tests are done and it's discovered and it's these tests that discovered that Cussie and her father, because her father also has this condition, have this methemoglobinemia, very hard, long word to pronounce, which is a rare genetic blood disorder that results in their blood not being oxygenated, leading to the appearance of blue skin. And the doctor is able, along with his colleagues who've done research into this, and again, remember, this didn't really happen in the 1930s. This, took, this happened in the 1960s in real life, but she put it into her book in order to make it a part of her story. So there is a cure. There is a cure taking doses of methylene blue, which adds oxygen to the blood. It removes the blue appearance to people with this condition. However, this cure is very short term. It like one thing as Cussie injects herself with this and turns white, but eventually it goes away and you would have to keep doing this. There are unpleasant side effects to the treatment as well. And while Cussie at the beginning is thrilled, shocked to see her skin turn white, her joy is short-lived when she realizes, first of all, how uncomfortable this is and doesn't know whether she would be able to sustain doing this. But she realizes that she's not accepted by the townspeople anyways. And in fact, is regarded with even more suspicion because now people look at her and she's not blue anymore. And they think, oh, this is even odder. Is she sick? Will she infect them? And her father says to her at one point, because he had already realized that just injecting themselves and turning white temporarily is not going to make those who are prejudiced against them like them any better. And he says to her, those that can't see past a folk's skin color have a hard difference in them. There's a fire in that difference. And when they see you, they'll still see a blue. No city drugs gonna change small minds. What they think about peculiarity. For them like-minded folks, there's no redemption for our kind. This is what Cussie's father has told them. And sadly, it is very true. This, was a, this is a very interesting book to read because of what you learn about these two things, which I didn't know anything about, neither this condition of having blue skin nor the Kentucky Pack Horse Library project. And you get a feel for the world that Kim Michelle Richardson writes about, this world of Appalachia, the severity of life there, the difficulty, the isolation of the hill people who lived so close to more civilized areas. They weren't many millions of miles away. They were very close. Yet, it was as if they lived in a different world. You also get a feel for the conditions in the Kentucky coal mines at the time because Cussie's father is a miner. 
and there are descriptions of what it's like. The mine owners at the time exploited their workers. The miners worked in unsafe conditions, were underpaid, and even at that were only paid in company script, which was only redeemable at company stores, and other indignities and difficulties. There are many thoughtful themes throughout this book. What are the themes? I mean, just from what I'm telling you, you can guess. Racism is a big one. The absurdity of skin color meaning anything, which is even driven home all the more through this idea of the blue-skinned people, which happen to be real. There's the poverty. There's the idea of redemption through reading, through literacy. There's the kindness of people helping each other when they choose to do so against the racism. There is hope for the future. There is survival. These are all big themes throughout the story. Not heavy, not I didn't think too heavily handedly done, just part of the story. The author shows great compassion for the children in the story particularly. And you can see where this comes from once you know that she herself spent her first 10 years in an orphanage and then was placed in foster homes and then was homeless. So she comes to this with a lot of what I think must be, I haven't read her memoir, but personal struggle, must have been heartbreak and then overcoming because she's a successful writer today. So even though the novel gets off perhaps one might say to a bit of a slow start, although I enjoyed it very much because I enjoyed the description. Once Cussie begins traveling to the city for medical testing, the stakes get higher. And as does the suspense of the story. Her first person narration is engaging. It's laced with a thick Kentucky accent, which maybe some readers might not like, but I didn't find it off-putting. A lot of colloquialisms of Depression-era Appalachia. And again, this is historical fiction. And through the bigotry and the discrimination that Cussie suffers as a result of her strange skin color, the author artfully depicts the insidious behavior that can result when a society's members feel threatened by things they don't understand. With a focus on the personal joy and broadened horizons that can result from access to reading material, this well-researched tale serves as a solid history lesson in the 1930s Kentucky world. I think it's a unique story about Appalachia and the power, the healing power of the written word. And just as a final note, I found out that the sequel to The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek is coming out in May. Its title is The Book Woman's Daughter. Thank you very much for listening. Those of you who are on the telephone line, I can say goodbye and hope to hear you, see you next month. And for those of you who are on Zoom, I hope that there are some, some questions um, and I'm here to answer. Thank you very much. We are now open to questions. You can use the little raise hand button on your Zoom screen or you can put them into the chat.
We're going to give you uh, a moment to do so. And maybe while we wait, I'll tell you something else interesting that I found out. I don't know if anybody's read, maybe some of you have read. Apparently, there's an English, the, the very popular English author, Jojo Moyes, who's written many books, also wrote a book, a historical novel. I mean, what's the, the chances of this happening? About the real life Pack Horse Library Project in Kentucky, which was published a few months after the book Woman of Troublesome Creek. And Jojo Moy's book is called The Giver of Stars. I haven't read that one. I don't know if maybe some listeners have. Um, she doesn't have anything to do with blue-skinned, the blue-skinned people of, uh, of the area, but it is very much to do with the real life Pack Horse Library Project. And apparently there was a bit of back and forth in this article that I found when, um, when the authors of, the, of these two respective books discovered that each had written a book about the Kentucky Pack Horse Library Project. I mean, what are the chances that they came out within months of each other? So there were some ideas of maybe, um, I don't know that one stole an idea from the other. Um, I don't know what the, what the result of it is, but uh, Jojo Moyes' book was published a few months after Kim Michelle's Richardson's was, and it's called The Giver of Stars. I don't know, I'd like to hear if anybody had read it or noticed the similarity between these two titles. I don't see any questions in our chat today. I think we need to reteach people to use the uh, chat feature. They're used, oh, I see. Oh, oh. From Thank you, Gina, for being our first yes, person with a question. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, can you see the question, Kathy? Do you I can to... see the question, yeah. So, you know what, I didn't, do, I didn't do extensive research into it, but apparently it was, the, um, it was in France and it was also in Ireland because there was a doctor who in the 60s, when they started to research this condition, that there was an Irish doctor who also found people living in Ireland with this condition. So I guess, I mean, it would make sense that in other places, if whoever had this, I don't know if it was originally, well, I don't know where it originated, but in France, because that's where apparently the people who, uh, somebody from France moved to Kentucky and married and this gene, this recessive gene was passed on. And that's why there were these blue skinned hill people in Kentucky and, it, and they lived in Kentucky and they were very isolated anyways, but there were in Ireland as well. As far as that, I don't know any more about it. Maybe it would be interesting to look it up. Um, but it seemed that it was brought to Kentucky by this one man, and this is at the end of the book, she writes about it, by this one man who came to, um, who, who went to Kentucky and married, and, and, that's, and he was the one who, I think, brought it over to Kentucky as well. That's what I can tell you about it, just very briefly. For those of you, oh. Another question from Gina, does it still exist today and is it curable? So again, I don't know. It would be interesting to look into it at the time. Again, she put that into the 1930s setting of the book, but it turned out that it was really in the 1960s when this doctor 
was able to go into the hills of Kentucky and find some blue skin people and gently and slowly convince them to come to the bigger city. I don't know if it was Louisville that they went to, um, to be tested. And at the time of this book, and maybe things are different today, it seemed that it was injecting this methylene blue that would temporarily change their skin color. And I don't know, again, I didn't do enough research into this, but maybe I will now that you ask. I don't know if it was like if it was life-threatening or health-threatening in any other way, or it simply turned their skin a different color. And that was the, that was the effect that they were trying to change. So I don't know if it was just simply skin color or it came along with any, any health, you know, detrimental health um, situations. So again, I'd have to do some more research into it, but I don't know. And you can look it up. It's called, hold on. Well, I guess if you, if you put in blue skinned into Google, you could find it, but that long name was methoglobinemia. Um, yeah, anything else? Any other questions? I don't see any further questions. So thank you so much, Kathy. And we, everybody, come back on March 14th for another uh, review of Kathy Diamonds. She will be reviewing Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. Yes. So we look forward to seeing you all on that day until we eventually are able to meet again in person someday, we all hope. Hopefully soon. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Have bye a great bye. day.